<laughs> oh wow. That's what we on today. It's still in GC in the place to be. What does it, cousins? Can't hear you. Mm -mm. We got to do it again. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Okay, I think that y'all can hear me now, so we're good. All right, so what's good, everybody? I'm Mark Monroe, and welcome to the Come Up Series, a show in which that we talk about wisdom, knowledge, and also everything in between when it comes to the markets and investing in your portfolio. Today is very awesome because I am accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator. You've heard her say what she said, and it was all up in my ear, but I said my co-creator, co-producer, co-host, and wonderful friend, and dipping and doing it out here in these markets, the wonderful. <laughs> it's Jolene, you see in the place to be. What does it, cousin? I hope y'all can hear us now. <laughs> all right, so if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead, and hit, go ahead and hit the subscribe button down below. It's just, you know, just take three seconds out of your day just to hit the subscribe button and like the video. And on top of that, hit the bell so that way you can be just like Cousin Reggie, who was first in the chat. Somebody said that he is more consistent than taxes. So that's something to be said there. <laughs> Shout out to you, Reggie, because we hey, do appreciate Reggie. you. All right. And on top of that, if you are feeling generous, go ahead and share this video with somebody or people that you know or on your social media so that way we can get this message out because today it's all about year two, sophomore year. So, but before we get into that, because I know that you guys got a ton of questions and I know that JoLynn's got us with this review. So, JoLynn, how do we do in today's markets? You know, it was a red day. Um, it was definitely red, um, <clears throat> but let's get into it. <laughs> Let's get into it. All right, so let me make sure I can read my own handwriting off. <clears throat> okay, so the Dow was up 194.55 points, leading us to a level of a 35,813.80. Then we have the S&P 500, you know, with a little something, just a little splash, 7.76 points, um, which leads us to levels of 4,690.70. Then the NASDAQ, it did come back though, y'all. It was down by like over 200 and then it came back mm. a little bit, but it's still in the negative. So it closed that negative 79.62 points, uh, leading us to a level of 15,775.14. We got the VIX acting up at 19.38 points. And we have the 10-year treasury note coming up a little bit to over uh, 1.66 percentage 
points heading on over to a sector performance as you know there are 11 sectors and we track the top three and the bottom three so we can see what that rotation is looking like so we have energy financials and real estate holding it down in the top three and then for the bottom three two of my faves down there chilling holding it down we got tech consumer or excuse me tech communication services and consumer discretionary all at the bottom. And don't worry y'all, um, we will talk about this rotation and we can see the correlation between bond yields and stuff rotating out of a growth. Now for our pick performance, no 52 week highs this week, or well today I should say. However, we have Snap making a comeback. We got the TBT for those defensive plays, as well as Lucid holding it down for the top three. For the bottom three, we have C Limited, that's ticker symbol SE. Tesla, looking like potentially a deal. We'll see, we'll see. And DraftKings holding it down for the bottom three. So y'all had some questions, um, which is a lovely. Um, and some of them were Google Google's. But I let some of them slide, and then but the majority of them weren't really Googles. They're more, um, you know, conversational. So okay. shout out to those who um, have the thinking caps. And also, Mark, I do want to um, say since we are in um, wealth ritual season um, for season two, uh, you know, last year. Uh -huh. First episode was about thinking bigger. And so the challenge in that video was to 3X whatever your portfolio goal was right now. And I dared y'all to do it on a red day. And so really it could have just been an exercise in thinking like, okay, now if I was really going to do this, you know, what what would it take? Even on a red day, where would I be? How would I put, reposition my portfolio? What would I be looking at? What risk would I take? Um, and so on and so forth. So shout out to those of y'all who actually um, increased your um, end of the year portfolio goals by three. So, you know, keep us posted on that. We love to see a good screenshot with a good, you know, thousand percent gang, gang, gang. Um, shout out to cousin Taz and cousin Rachel um, for that. And Mark, it's my understanding that, you know, this is, this is like a year. So last year we were all freshmen. Um, well, on this journey collectively, mm -hmm. um, and this is sophomore year, so I feel like the title is um, fitting. Yeah. So, how do you want to um, get into this? Do you want to do some questions? Do you want to, um, you know, pull down the the chalkboard, so to speak? What you what, what you feeling like? You know, you know, I feel like you know, an orientation day on the first day of your, you know, of your sophomore year. Let's go ahead and get some questions out of the way because. You know, people may have some questions that, you know, came over from last year or from freshman year, and they just want a quick little refresher, though, that we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. So, yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's answer some questions. All right. All right. So, everyone, have a seat. Take your seat. You know, we're calling in uh, attendance now. All right. Take your seat. <laughs> get your uh, notes ready. Attendance right, so matters now. <laughs> yes. Okay. For real. All right. So, here is a question. Um, ooh. The typos. Okay, let me see. Let me see if I can make this out. Um, okay, so what does it mean for NVIDIA for um, the next few years if that deal doesn't go through? I think NVIDIA will just be just fine. Um, if you look at all the things in which that they're doing and 
they're really like just dominating the AI space, like significantly dominating. And then bringing that over into data centers. And then on top of that, it's like they're changing the game as it pertains to gaming as well. Um, like one of the things that I was talking to people about earlier today was, you know, people were like, well, NVIDIA is kind of like bottleneck with all the supply chain issues of their graphics cards getting out. Mm. But what if NVIDIA was like literally putting those graphics cards in their cloud space and making it available for you to literally pay $100 every six months so they gain $200 every year off of that graphics card? And you know how subscription services are. Once you're in, you know, you're in. Most people forget that they even have subscriptions. If you forgot that you have subscription services in your accounts uh, or that keeps pinging your account, go ahead and just throw up an emoji in the chat. Um, which emoji? Which one should I throw up for that? Throw up the money emoji. Throw in the money emoji. Okay. Because it lets you know that, hey, now you're conscious. So, hey. Right. But if you weren't aware, that also means that you're not on your 70-30. Because if you were on your 70-30, you would know what's going in and out of your account. So go on ahead and tell on yourself. It's, it's okay. okay. It's okay. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. And, and mind you, this is orientation. So nobody gets, nobody gets like the goon hand on, on orientation day. Um, so, so then it's like, if you think about it, like Sony, Microsoft are significantly scaled back and bottleneck due to not having those devices. And so now they're significantly just like starting to dominate and starting to open up that space of being able to provide a specific type of graphics card that everybody wants now being mm -hmm. able to use that graphics card in specific cloud spaces. And I'm probably sure that if you can prove it within gaming spaces, it's only a matter of time until pretty much like if you need to do post-production video uh, rendering and stuff like that, I can only imagine what that's also going to look like in the next few years. So the future is very bright and, and alongside what they're doing with their NVIDIA Drive platform, the Omniverse and the real-time AI uh, and machine learning processing. Honestly, it's like they really come second to none across the entire landscape and the board. So honestly, the future for NVIDIA is very bright, whether or not the ARM deal is in place or not. The ARM deal is good because of the fact that it allows them to speed up that processing and, uh, that processing and design. But yet at the same token, I mean, that's just nothing but a, like, a feather in the hat for, for NVIDIA. You know, even if you don't have the feather, the hat still looks dope, so. Okay, so that answers the second question um, about the C the CEO of NVIDIA, um, Jen, talking about... Um, was it Jensen or was it his AI? <laughs> well, the comments about, you know, um, what does it, what was he, what was he alluding to? So you just answered the question that another cousin had. So, yeah. okay, that yeah. was uh, two for one. Okay, here's a question. Will rising rates and tapering be uh, tailwind for financial sector? No, actually rising rates are nothing but, you know, pretty much giving it that extra emphasis, which will win to aid, which will push financials forward because a lot of financial institutions, including significantly your regional banks and your investment banks, I mean, this is huge for them. So hence the reason why if you're seeing this rotation coming out of fintech, but going into major financials, it makes all the sense in the world because of the fact that in a, in a world of rising rates, they win. So I think that, yeah, congratulations to financials. And I think that this is going to be a year where we start to see them, you know, really come into the foray alongside the other major players within the space of the sectors.
So I think that, yeah, nothing but good things ahead for the financial sector, unless we roll back on rate hikes. So if mm -hmm. the market doesn't get the amount of rate hikes that they expected, then that can potentially cause some challenges. Okay, and so this question is related to that as well. So what, um, what are the things that would you say that are causing uh, rotation out of the NASDAQ and into the Dow? Uh, well, I mean, I think that a lot of the companies that are in the Dow are also in the NASDAQ. Um, so I think it's just the type of companies that are being rotated out of. I mean, you have to think about it. A lot of these companies have gone on to like literally hit all time highs. So it makes sense that, you know, folks would want to take profit at the top, especially when we're getting a little bit frothy, meaning AKA a little bit euphoric. The market definitely needed a pullback. If you notice, we didn't really see any significant pullbacks on a major operate uh, OPEX, meaning options expiration month for November 19th last week. And I think that also it could be that people run defensively because of the fact that the news that, they, that was also expected. So starting to hear really what those bottlenecks really look like on the logistics side, not the supply chain, because we already knew what supply chain looked like. But now we're mm -hmm. getting, moving more so into the logistics standpoint and seeing that there are bottlenecks there and how it's impacting retailers and how people are also possibly removing some risk off of the table that we could be seeing some risks in other arenas as well. I think that that's really where it goes into alongside with, you know, again, rotation across the entire board. I think that again, it's, it's just nothing but, you know, I think it's temporary for the, for the short term period, but I don't think that that stops the whole show for, moving forward in the grand scheme of things for the long-term strategy of growth stocks or mega cap. All right, here's a question for you. This is for you actually, Mark. Oh. <clears throat> Dang it, I was gonna try and do a voice, but <laughs> it didn't come out. Um, is Mark worried about FTNT or are current prices just related to inflation concerns? I think the current prices are probably just related to inflation and concerns. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you start thinking about anything when it comes to inflation, you think about deferred revenue or say, for example, the discount on those cash flows. Um, so I think that that's really where it comes down to. But all in all, I'm not really worried about FTNT. Um, I guess I guess my price target alongside where I'm probably sure that many other folks is probably around 450, 500 for FTNT. So. Not at the end of the year, but no, in the future. <laughs> over the I over the next that. over the next year to two years, I I, I suspect that they'll probably be a five hundred dollar stock. Yeah. Okay. Um. So here's the question: We missed the rotation last year. Hold up. I didn't miss no rotation. Mark didn't miss no rotation. But okay. So let me just rephrase this. Some of y'all missed the rotation last year. Can you talk about where the wells are moving this time around? Well, I mean, when you find yourself in a market where the market gets more defensive, like let's put it into perspective. If you look at the S&P 500, 29% of the S&P 500 is information technology. Another 14% of that is probably consumer discretionary. And then you got about 10.6% uh, being financials and communications. And then so if you really think about that, or also health and you know, communication, and, and then on top of that, you also have financials. If you really think about that, just like within those four out of five alone, and if you just think about it, that's over 50% of the entire S&P 500. So that's not including industrials, that's not including energy or any of those other things. 
So really, where is it that people run to? They go to places in which they're, that are defensive that are also non-impacted to inflation uh, or inflationary risk or even interest or interest hikes, interest rate hikes. So you look at energy, consumer staples, materials, financials, uh, and you can even look at industrials as well. Those will be the arenas. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because you're going to go to the places in which that are the lower hanging fruits. If you really look at energy, energy represents energy, commodity or energy materials. And I would probably say a few other sectors, they are probably about anywhere from four to two and a half percent. So if you think about it, it makes sense to run there defensively or just go straight to cash. And that's ultimately what you're going to see the market do. When you see company, when you see sectors like real estate, materials, uh, energy, and you know some of the others that are normally not there, like consumer staples and utilities, um, then that's a sign that essentially that the market's gotten defensive. In a defensive market, that's where people go. When it's non-defensive, they go back to the things because it's a signal of we want risk on. So when risk turns on, then we go to the to the larger sectors. Mm -hmm. And I also will note that if you, on a day like this where you see the NASDAQ is down, but like the Dow is up or the S&P 500 is up or mainly when the Dow is down and the NASDAQ is up, um, if you just go to the CNBC app and look to see what sectors finished in the top as far as performance goes um, for that percentage change, you'll see where the money is really going. So mm -hmm. Mark called out all those sectors uh, and I'll further note that all those sectors are green. The only sectors that were not green was technology, con uh, communication services, and consumer discretionary. So, um, and I that's think just if you add those up, then that represents fifty-two percent of the entire S and P five hundred. So there you have it. So when you again, when there's a red day, and the and specifically when the Nasdaq is down, especially when it was down by over two hundred earlier in the day, and then it kind of tried to fight its way back to something respectable. Um, but still at a loss, you'll see that the money most likely is going to those other sectors that Mark called out. So today, if you took a screenshot of the sector's performance today, you'll see that like perfectly illustrated how Mark just explained it. So totally. All right. So um, let me see. There was some other questions here, Mark. Um, okay. Okay, some of these questions were just answered. Um, <laughs> what's your, this one's for you. What's okay. Mark's buying strategy on a red day like today? What are the do's and the don'ts? Uh, never subsidize winners for losers. So if it's a loser, don't try to like just jump into it and say, okay, hey, it'll come back up. If it's a loser, it's a loser. I mean, flat out, uh, point blank period. Um, second thing, uh, you know, pay attention to sentiment. I try to pay attention to sentiment and also follow what my thesis is that I'm sticking to the script that I wrote earlier in the year or that I just follow from, you know, years past, which has been the same thing over and over. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, I don't get scared of red days at all. If anything, it's like, you know, I take the opportunity to say, okay, hey, if I, if I have the full deployment of cash, then I'm sitting there and I'm waiting, I'm okay. Um, if not, then essentially, and if I see that the opportunity is so good, like, you know, if you saw a Tesla down by 75 bucks a share, I mean, would you not take it? 
So if you saw Amazon down by 200 bucks a share, would you not take it? I mean, does that not produce an, an opening? Um, so for me, that's how I look at it. I, I say, okay, hey, does it provide me an opportunity? Is it an opening for me right now? And if that, and if I do have a position that ultimately is a loser and has been losing for quite some time, then I just got to say goodbye. We can't be friends no more. So. That's right. Uh, what chart is used the day of buying a contract? Example, a one day, one minute question mark. Actually, no, I don't really look at the, like on the one day or the minute. Like if I'm looking at that, I'm looking to just get a good gauge as it pertains to where the overall index is headed. But for the most part, um, Honestly, it's like when I'm plotting out something, I'm looking at something on the daily or the weekly. So uh, over a year or a year to date chart, I'm looking mm -hmm. at it from a day uh, on a daily uh, basis or on the weekly. I believe that the weekly chart gives you the most accurate uh, reading of the market and the daily just kind of like gives you a good gauge as it pertains to where are we in the grand scheme of things of looking for a signal versus cutting out noise and looking for confirmation. Okay. Um, what is more important, outside the bands or lowest RSI? Say that again. What is more important, outside of the bands or a lowest RSI? Mm, I would say the RSI because the RSI can give you a definitive uh, can give you a definitive reading to let you know if something is completely oversold. Um, like, for example, you can see something outside of the bands, and that can happen, say, for example, within one day. That doesn't mean that the RSI has gone down to oversold. It just means that, you know, it's gone. We saw something move outside of the volatility, and the Bollinger Band is the lagging indicator. Just like, I mean, all indicators are lagging indicators for the most part. But yet, mm -hmm. at the same token, it's like the RSI kind of gives you a better gauge. Um, so that's how, I, that's how I see it. I think the RSI is probably a better read than the than the Bollinger Bands, but can you use both? Yes. I, I wouldn't just bank anything off of just one specific indicator. Okay. Um, great. If you are a high school student with $20, would you save to purchase higher stock or just get in? Oh, um, and it's funny that you say that, but yeah, I'll come later. Um, if you got $20, I mean, honestly, it depends upon what your strategy is, but if you're looking to buy something, uh, say for example, any specific stock, and you don't have the cash for it, it's okay. Um, there are, I know that we, we say something terribly about fractional shares, but there's nothing wrong with that in the short term and holding it as you build up your cash position and then move into something for something much more longer term or something that's actually much more whole. Um, or essentially there's nothing wrong with also storing cash within your brokerage. Um, so that way you can build it up and just be ready. So, yeah, I mean, there's more, there's never one specific way of how to do things. Like, you know, if you really think about it, if there was only just one, one way to literally reach success, then everybody would have taken it. And then ultimately, you know, honestly, we would all be successful and then we would have to re redefine what success is. Um, but there's multiple ways, there's multiple different avenues, there's multiple different strategies. Um, find what works best for you and focus on how is it that you can, what strategy works the best for you without ultimately adding more risk onto your table. Yeah, with $20, I'm, I'm going to flip that outside of the market and then get into the market. But <laughs> You can do that too, see? 
that's just me all right here we go um there is a i feel like didn't we talk about tsm's chart already we did we did okay so we actually question. we actually talked about tsm's chart before it actually spiked yeah so the oh yeah we did talk about that so that the question is to review tsm's chart for the cousin that asked that check last week's video i believe it was tuesday a week ago about a week ago <laughs> we talked about that. <laughs> okay. sorry couldn't resist um okay let me see january 23 huh. to, okay i'm gonna read it and if it doesn't make sense then we'll have to get back to this cousin but january 2023 200 uh, i guess that's the call um it's down negative 67 percent by more i don't know what position this is um or what stock or whatever buy more or buy lower strike a january 2023 and it's down by how much negative 67 percent i mean i don't given that i don't know what the ticker is i can't really provide any strong information there but yeah yeah Sorry about that. So that cousin that asked that question, please feel free to um, include what the ticker is and maybe we can answer that uh, later, potentially. We're not financial advisors. So usually questions like that are not like answered in the detail that you're probably um, seeking. Okay, so you t did talk a little bit about FinTech earlier, but yeah. someone is asking, um, you know, can you give some insight about your tweet that you tweeted earlier about fintech falling? Oh, fintech started falling because of the fact that, you know, once uh, if you look back in July, a lot of banks said that they were going to start doing buybacks. I mean, and essentially it was approved by the, the Federal Reserve. Um, and then on top of that, because they, they passed their stress test um, mm -hmm. two interest rate hikes are expected. And then three, uh, there is some legislation that's moving forward to literally bring down the cost of transaction fees, which is not good for a lot of those fintech companies. But it's mm -hmm. definitely good news for, say, for example, banks because of the fact that, again, they make their money not on transaction fees, they make their money on interest. So there you have it. So you saw a rotation out of fintech going into, in, into banks or into major financial uh, companies. All right, so I think with that, we can transition. Yay! <laughs> well, on that note, transition. <laughs> welcome, sophomores. Welcome, 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 welcome. It's been a long road coming, but we made it. All right, so... Um, it's been a minute since we've had the opportunity to do this. You know, I really miss doing these these types of presentations. You guys don't know how much I miss it, but I mean, honestly, I had a lot of fun doing these. So I wanted to bring it back because of the fact that, you know, honestly, I feel like there's some good information here for everybody to just literally um, pick up on and on top of that for it to leave as a placeholder. So welcome everybody to the Come Up Series School of Investing. Shout outs to our freshmen that are in the room. Hey, what's good? Hello, hi, we'll give you a somewhat of a, of a catch up. And then on top of that, welcome sophomores. If you is a sophomore in the room, I want you to just go up and throw, I just want you to throw 
you know, either some flowers or say, for example, a shades emoji in the chat. If you're a freshman, just go up and throw up a money bag in the chat. That way we could just know exactly who you are and everybody is present and accounted for. But each and every single one of you, welcome to year two. Um, so honestly, I'm really, really excited. I look forward to doing more of these. So let's get into it, shall we? Yes. All right. So uh, mission statement of year two. The future is not something we enter. The future is something we create. I want to let me run that back for y'all. The future is not something we enter. You don't enter the future. You create it. So this is what it's going to be about. But at the same token, we're going to like, you know, just do a slight little look back. So that way we can predict some things. All right. So sophomore year is here. So take advantage of the tools that are available, as we always say here at the Come Up Series. So we're going to give you a quick recap, then we're going to get into this year or two. We're going to show you how the board is set up. We're going to do the blueprint, and then, of course, stay focused and disciplined. Y'all with me? All right, let's get it. All right, so remember that 98%, 98% of investors and traders lose 100% of their portfolio trading on just speculation over time. 98%. Now, it's like, you know, I wanted to put this here because of the fact that, honestly, if you remember way back when, if you look very, very closely at this presentation, you'll see something there that was literally executed at one point in time. And ultimately, look at what it created. For those of you that know, if you know, you know, if, you know, all of our sophomores in the room should know exactly what you see on the screen. If you don't, that's okay. Just, you know, in the words of Coach Head, just make sure you wash your hands. All right. So the game plan is simple. Just to give everybody a refresher for all the freshmen in the room. Study and assess building a trading plan, a method for identifying and trading that makes into that takes into consideration a number of variables, including time, risk, and your objectives. So just remember, if you're like if you literally place a long-term trajectory on your positions, you tend to like the longer that you give yourself time, the more risk you remove off your table, and on top of that, it makes it easier or possibly easier for you to reach some of those objectives. Uh, that's the goal. We introduced this thing called the rolling fours way back when, but you know, don't worry, we got something for you, but it's pretty much just a way for you to give you a blueprint so that way you can execute and journal your process without really having to think about it. All right. So our process for strategically buying four times each year or two, uh, you can either do it two or four times a year, uh, with the money you saved from your income, AKA, if you can get to 70% saving of income, which is preferred, Yo, you are like literally on some Mount Rushmore status. Kudos to you, goats, to all of you. Um, if not, there's always room for improvement because we're always trying to get better, including if you're on the 70%. And if you've already mastered that, then hey, get to 80. There's always room for improvement across the board. And the focus is, is that essentially it's not about buying the most fancy cars and all this other stuff. But if you want to have those things, by all means, God bless, go do it. But the main focus is you got to change the world. You got to leave this world better than the way that it found you. And that's where we call it the new Roaring Twenties, which we're entering into now. We're getting ready to go into 2022, which is a year of expansion. So stay focused with being disciplined, with your discipline that you created, generational wealth. 
Now, just keep this in mind with generational wealth. Many times people won't be able to even experience generational wealth, but the people that come behind you will gladly thank you and be totally appreciative of all the things that you've been able to pass down and pass on because of the fact that your awesomeness was definitely there and that's what makes you legendary. Now create and rebuild the community that you know pretty much raised you. Okay, so um, let's break it down. Institutional versus retail investors. Who has more buying power? Institutions. Uh, the institutions are large market actors such as banks, mutual funds, pensions, and insurance companies. Probably some of you are tied to an, in, an institution. Somehow, some way, if you have a 401k or pension, if your money is being managed, uh, somewhere through your job, then most likely you take part in the institutional activity. So, which means they can't really be betting against you if they're nine times out of ten, they're, you're their customer. Uh, who has better analysis with the data? Institutions also have the advantage of professional research, traders, and portfolio managing, portfolio managers guiding their decisions. So essentially, if you think about it, JP Morgan is significantly a company that has a ton of traders, that has a ton of researchers and portfolio managers, but never fret because of the fact that a lot of this data has become widely accessible uh, across the board. You just got to know where to look and you just got to learn how to analyze it. That's all. And if you notice, here's the thing about a lot of folks who get their Series 7, which, you know, they're certified to, to do what they do on the stock market. They take an exam where they learn all these or where they pretty much learn how to memorize all these things. But doesn't mean that just because they have their Series 7 that they know all these things. There's a ton of folks that I know that have their Series 7 that didn't know anything about long-term leaps or options or anything like that. They avoided it like it was the plague. And now all of a sudden, they're literally just like out here crushing it in the market because they learned a new skill. So if they can do it and if they're humans, then you can do it too. All right, so is the board even fair in most cases? No, but as a retail investor, you have time without pressure to perform. Most of the information is publicly available. If you're dealing with publicly traded companies, then it's public knowledge and it has to become available because that's technically the law. And then on top of that, you don't have to worry about like reading, reaching some type of performance benchmark and worrying about if your job is intact. Most of your institutional money, they are tied to the S&P 500, which is ultimately the overall benchmark for the market. If they're not beating the S&P 500 on a consistent basis, then nine times out of 10, they probably will not have their job. So there's that. So, all right. So we talked about this thing a little bit called options trading. For those in whom wish that needed a quick refresher, let's say that if you traded Apple, the price target was 150 in two years. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. Maybe that was a clue. Maybe it wasn't. But let's just say if you had stock investing back when Apple was $100 a share versus options trading, one contract equals 100 shares. So if you had 10,000, you divided that $100 per share, that gives you 100 shares. Meanwhile, uh, since that one contract is 100 shares, you would multiply 100 contracts times 100 shares, that gives you $10,000. So meaning you can buy 100 contracts and then ultimately that's the equivalent if the contract value was at a dollar in its premium. So now let's take those 100 shares that you own because you own them and you multiply that times $65 because AKA that's the profit that uh, Apple goes up by. Hmm. Very interesting again. Y'all remember this, but you know, it's kind of funny how like we're here in the we're here in, in the in the current, but way back when this was interesting. All right, so let's say that it went up by 65 bucks a share, you're up 6500 bucks. Um, but if you did it in the options contract, then let's say that it got up to 125 and the premium went up by four bucks, four dollars times 100 contracts times 100 equals how much? That's that new math. Y'all remember it. Um, so just as a heads up, 
that was the new Mac. That was literally how we literally like, you know, put it out there for everybody. So then we got into this thing of like, okay, hey, how do you buy such an option? So let's say that if you bought the option, like nine times out of 10, when you buy an option, because you can only buy options when the market is open from either 6.30 or 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. or 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so let's say you buy open and then you sell close. So when you wanna sell, you sell it close. But when you're in, when the market's open, you buy it open. So let's say if I buy 100 contracts for January 2023 uh, at $500, you see that there's an ask price and there's a bid price. The ask price says what I will be able to buy it, just like if I'm buying a home and the bid price is like as if there's multiple bids for the house, that's exactly what I will be able to sell at. As you can see, the last price there was at 21. So I set a limit there for just to say, okay, hey, 21 bucks per premium is essentially what I'm willing to pay. If I want to execute it at market, then that just means that the order will immediately go through. All right, and then boom, there's my commission, good for the day, boom, my preview and place the order. Now, let's say that I've been in this position for X amount of time, or let's say I was in this January 2022 at 470, and let's just say that, you know, hey, I'm getting a little bit, you know, antsy, I want to move over into something else. So there's this thing called rolling. So remember what I said, you buy open and you sell close. So if you bought it open, you have to sell it close. So in this particular case, you will do a sell close at 100 uh, contracts here, just yeah, for, for learning purposes. And essentially you would buy open, you see how to make the adjustment. I made the adjustment so that way essentially in the quantity, so that way it adjusts based upon the asking price. Because the asking price or the bid price is now $9.45 but the asking price is $39.29. So if I wanted to make it adjustable so that way I'm not having to pay or come out of pocket, what I can do is I can roll the call into something else and ultimately uh, essentially balance it out as close as I can to zero. And ultimately, hey, I even walked away with $140.15 in this example. Pretty dope. And that's ultimately how you roll it because you're just giving yourself more time with a different strike and everything else. Very, very interesting. Something to pay attention to. Okay, so let's start year two, because I just literally went through all of year one in a matter of probably like 19 minutes. So hopefully I didn't go fast or too fast, but the beautiful thing about YouTube is this is recorded, so you can always come back and rewatch it. All right, so let's start. It's all about see the, fu it's all about see the future by learning from the past. Interesting, right? So if we seek wisdom, not knowledge, knowledge is of the past. Wisdom is of the future. So let me just replay that for you. If we seek wisdom, not knowledge, knowledge is of the past. Wisdom is of the future. Something to, you know, just keep in the back of your mind. Okay, so did the past lead us here? Well, yes. So let's talk about fintech through time. Now these are some interesting dates here, like you know, on the on the market. So let's just take a look at it, right? So for example, we got 2007 to 09, we got 11 to 13, 2014 to 2016, uh, 17 to 20, which my goodness, and then 2021. We went through some stuff, and if you're watching this in the future, we definitely went through some things. And here are some of the things in which that, how we got here. Here are just some, some of the interesting things to take into consideration. Financial crisis was the previous crash back in 2007 to 2009. Then there was an underemployment, and then that's when there was the birth of the gig economy. Interesting. 
2014 to 2016, housing and student loan uh, uh, chains. So the chains, you know, really started to formulate. And then 2017 to 2020, uh, pandemic and recent crash. Um, and of course, we, we assumed that there was going to be a recession. And then 2021, buy now, pay later. How does that even fit? How does buy now, pay later fit in the grand scheme of things? Well, it's very interesting. Let me run this back to you while I keep it into perspective. Financial crisis. We had the pretty much the fall of the housing market, and essentially it, it really destroyed a lot of the middle-class homes out there. And essentially it put a lot of strain on a lot of parents out there that really couldn't fund a lot of their, student, a lot of their, their children's education. So what did they do? They had to go even further, further into debt, which ultimately therein, when a lot of the students that were coming out of college to from really 2008 to really 2012, they were really struggling uh, to really get into the job market and also make significant wages that were ultimately that they expected. Why? Because when they came outside of college or when they graduated, they walked into a new era where they were literally having to compete against uh, baby boomers, Gen Xers, uh, and, and their counterparts as millennials. And that was tough because then you started to see a huge amount of underemployment and thus the gig economy was born. The gig economy where, say, for example, you were working by day and then also driving Uber by night. And they did some pretty phenomenal marketing to make it look super duper cool and, you know, even to this day. No shade towards anybody who does it because by all means make your paper. Um, the bills won't pay themselves. So we get it. So then we move on to the housing and student loan uh, crisis. Because mind you, that's when we started seeing the reports of, you know, student loan debt is starting to get astronomically high. And ultimately, a lot of these students are coming out of college and ultimately starting to face significant issues. So let's think about it. If you now have a job that you're, under, that you're unemployed on, so you're underemployed, not unemployed. I didn't add that in there, but there, there's also that too. But if you're underemployed, which means that you're making less than what you should be making because of the fact that ultimately competing wages, so then you have that. So housing situation is terrible because of the fact that most places require that you pay 30 times the rent or three times the rent. So, and then on top of that, you saw this in a significant amount of international buying where you saw a lot of international investors start buying up tons of real estate after the, after the financial crisis because, of course, there was a lot of homes in foreclosure. Which therein, we saw the birth of, say, for example, the Airbnbs and all that other stuff where people started creating rentals, which ultimately jacked up the price against the folks that were locals that lived there. So now it raised the price of housing and everything else. That was just through beginning in 2015, 2016. So now we got all these students that are walking out with student loan debt. Now they're, having to, they're now having to rent places. So they're already dealing with the inflated market because now they're having to deal with, like, you know, if you think about it, your, your main bills take up 50% of your entire you know, paycheck. And then on top of that, if we add on, say for example, student loan debt, then it starts to get a little bit more interesting. So now we get to this part of the pandemic. And so essentially it's like, okay, hey, now we're asking ourselves like, okay, hey, can things actually hold on? Luckily, air quotes, we had, that, we, we had this thing where student loan debt was on this temporary forgiveness where a lot of folks could defer their student loans. Doesn't mean that you don't have to pay them. It just means that essentially that, hey, we'll, we'll forgive it for now for you being late. Now think about it. If Now think about what I just said. All these types of financial burdens that have now been placed. 
And now we find ourselves in a situation where people can't afford a lot of the things that they want to buy. Well, what must companies do? They have to get a little bit more creative, right? Because in order for retail to continue and consumerism to continue, then ultimately we birth this thing called buy now, pay later. Now, it's quote unquote the new thing. Is it really or have they already existed? A la credit cards, credit cards 2.0, 3.0, who knows? But let's go ahead and give a little detail here. Back in 2011, uh, Forbes had posted an, an, an article talking about the new pay gap, boomers and Gen Xers and millennials. Then they came out in 2016 and said, okay, new study find reveals that millennial underemployment is on the rise. Hmm, interesting. And then 2018, 2018's housing market looks good unless you're a first-time millennial buyer. Okay, and then here it is as it, as it pertains to from sources from the Federal Reserve and Experium, which is a credit uh, bureau, about $1.57 trillion. Now, at the time of this article, this was about March. Now, as of September, this number is a lot higher at $1.7, but we'll just take the number for what it is. $1.57 trillion amount of student loan debt outstanding in the United States, the United States alone. 30% of college attendees taking on debt include student loans to pay for their education. And then 38,792 average amount of student loan debt per borrower. And then 5.7% of student loan debt that was 90 plus days delinquent or in default. Now, we don't know what the full on onset onslaught of those numbers are because of the fact that why? Well, we had this major hold that took place in 2020. So it should be interesting exactly what it looks like, especially since we saw a lot of people, you know, literally firing their jobs. Thus, cue the buy now, pay later. Now, there's more than just a firm there. There's Klarna, then there's Afterpay. But a lot of folks know of a firm because they've been in the news very heavily. So, like, a firm has just been literally, like, taking up a lot of market share as it pertains to getting into their, I think they're now in Best Buy now. They also in Amazon and many other retailers. But think about it like this. 57% uh, regret making purchases using these services due to hidden fees and interest. Uh, Time Magazine. Interesting. Now, who are the folks in whom which that are the majority that use this? Millennials and Gen Zers. They are the largest demographic when it comes to using buy now, pay later. And it's kind of interesting because it's not just them, right? Look at Apple. If we think about Apple when they came out with the credit card, they don't operate as your typical credit card does. They actually give you a lot of options in which that you can literally set it kind of like a buy now, pay later feature, but yet the, the, the interest charges and everything else, they roll up on you pretty quickly. But it's just something just to think about. Imagine if your high school student has an investment portfolio, would they need these services? Just take a, think, just take a step back and think about it. Would our children need these services if we start teaching them now the value of money, one, two, their, like start improving their relationship with money, and then three, teaching them how to invest in the markets? Interesting, right? So what does that look like? Now, if for those of you that are like, you know, you, you haven't been around for the past few months, there was this thing that we dropped on, you know, called The World Is Your Portfolio. And it was a very, very heartfelt uh, episode, but here's the breakdown of this. Many of you have seen this, so here, here's a simple breakdown. If you had $2,500, and essentially, if you just trade it twice a year, or if you did it, say, for example, even once, 
then essentially, essentially you could probably find yourself in making these types of returns, hypothetically. So, for example, if a person traded twice a year, so, for example, if they did, you know, let's say that, you know, a person wanted to do a one-year call with a six-month exit, then they can literally do, you know, if they average a 150% return, then that 2,500 turns to 6,250. 6,250 turns into 15, 6,25 by the end of year one. And then so on and so on and so on and so on and then it's discipline. And it's like, these are not really imaginary numbers, this is math. And then it's like, if you've taught your child ultimately how to literally, you know, go from turning their investments into a system in which that they can start paying themselves and ultimately still consistently buying in stock, here's the secret to it. Like, here's where the really big secret is. You know, it's kind of interesting because we left it here as this one. I, Jolyn, I, I want to gather your thoughts on this. You ready for mm -hmm. it? Yeah. How does this look like for a movie, uh, <laughs> a movie uh, thumbnail? I would call this movie "Stick to the Script" and at the money joint featuring the S and P five hundred, aka the Spire SPX. <laughs> and then it would be pretty much the beneficiary, aka the executive producer, would be one of the one of the cousins or every single one of the cousins. They are the beneficiary, aka the wealth builder. And guest starring within it, they would have XLK, XLY, SMH, VOO, VTI. They could choose from as it pertains to guest starring the ETFs and index sectors. And ultimately, just think about it. If you stick to the script and stay at the money and just really focus on the S&P 500, you, the beneficiary, can probably essentially one day build wealth for yourself if you, st if you stay disciplined. And on top of that, if you still want a little bit more diversification, you can also look to some guest stars that can ultimately star in your movie. It's not that it's not that hard, people. It's just more so in the sense of, you know, just making sure that you just stick to it. You know, again, we say it all the time. We are our ancestors' wildest dreams. So, you know. Okay. We didn't really have a we didn't really have another you know title so I just you know I left it blank because I let you know that we got a continuation going, and so I'll just leave it with this because I'll I'll leave it with how we all started in the beginning, the dream is free the hustle is sold separately, this concludes your sophomore orientation, I'll fade to black now. <laughs> I do want to point out that um, that example is for one portfolio that you really don't mess with and if you want to you know be in these streets in these market streets you know testing out theories or whatever you else you want to do you can have a separate account for that but right. you set up this account like that is your account that you just really do not like don't make no withdrawals from it just have it there working in the background for you. And those numbers, those are real numbers. Correct. And that's why the new math is just so, I was <laughs> I was watching um, the first episode of Wealth Rituals and that new math. And when I think back to that time, just like, oh my gosh, that's, that's wild. Like how it felt to like really fully understand, like this is real, this is really, 
attainable. Um, so yeah, I advise everyone to, if you're gonna if you're gonna do the rolling fours, like have a separate account that's for the rolling fours only, and don't touch it, and just watch what happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, and honestly, it's like, you know, it's like I'll look at it like this. I want to say something that's gonna be pretty heartfelt, and it, and it may like you know, it may I don't know if it may ruffle feathers or whatever it is, but you know, I'll say it anyways because honestly, it's the truth. Y'all, stop treating us like we're financial gang members. We're not. <laughs> like, for real, for real. Like, you don't see Tony Sakanagi and ultimately Dan Ives or Kathy Wood or anybody else out there doing drive-bys on another. They don't do that. This is not that type of energy. It's not that type of, it's not that type of game. You know, the folks, if you really think about it, the folks really within the financial space, they know each other. They're friends with each other. Or essentially, they just respect each other's craft. Um, and their focus is to make money for their clients. Nine times out of 10 institutional investors and sometimes retail, but for the most part, they're focusing on improving their craft. It's not about, well, I'm part of this group or that group or whatever, who cares? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, what matters is, is that, you know, hey, that group, whether it is, you could, you could wear it like a badge of honor, but you know what's a bigger badge of honor? knowing that essentially you don't have to worry about how this this month's bills are going to be paid or how this is going to be taken care of. You know what really matters? Ultimately, like being able to say that, okay, hey, my children are set. You know, the reason why it's like I'm so proud of Tajay for being able to talk his talk out here is because of the fact that he just did something simple. He learned what he needed to do and ultimately he had the discipline and he stuck to the script, just like many of you cousins out there are doing so. So I don't care if you're a part of whatever financial group that you are and you have to you happen to stumble across us and say, okay, hey, I like what they're saying. Cool, dope, keep learning, keep researching. That's what it's about. And execute. None of us are gonna be pushing the button for any of your portfolios, none whatsoever. So it's all gonna fall upon you. You're gonna have to make that distinction and say, okay, hey, that this is what I wanna do and this is how I wanna do it. And if it makes sense to you, by all means, move forward. If it doesn't make sense, that's okay. Keep moving forward and keep learning and keep seeking the knowledge and the wisdom and the answers so that way essentially it can make sense. You know, it's that's really where it comes down to. You know, the greatest gang that you can ever rock with are the folks in whom wish that ultimately that depend upon you every day, that literally depend upon you to keep the lights on. Those are those are the folks that, that that's the best gang that you can ever have. The, the, it could be, you know, your spouse that you lay next to and that you go through, you know, this world with. It could be the children in whom wish that you live and you would give up everything for. You know, that's the greatest gang right there. You know, honestly, you know, we got to cut this like type of mentality where it's like we have to bring in all this other BS type of, you know, mindset and thinking because that's really the poor man's thinking you know what we're trying to do is help each and every single one of you elevate your conscious and on top of that help you elevate your wealth that's the focus you know we focus every single day you know how is it that we can like literally elevate to make this even better for each and every single one of you so that way me I just don't want anybody to have to suffer the same pitfalls that I've had to suffer throughout my investing and trading career. 
my goal, my benchmark, just like if I was to set my benchmark, just like how Wall Street sets its benchmark. So again, what I said in the presentation, S&P 500 is the benchmark for a lot of your institutional uh, money managers and traders. If you can't beat that benchmark by a certain multiple, then you're out. It's done. My benchmark is I don't compare myself to every single other platform out there. I don't. I, I literally set my benchmark based upon the knowledge of every single question that comes through. If I'm hearing the same question that each and every single one of you are asking over and over, either I have failed you or you weren't listening. Or, hypothetically, maybe you're new. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that's ultimately how I set my benchmark. If, and the other benchmark that I set on is the ultimate goal, which is, how many folks have been able to like literally be financially free? That's the goal. You know, I, I looked at it in this in this limelight where it's like people that are in this space, which I'll tell you from day one and Jolene will tell you, I wasn't like looking <laughs> to literally be on the front of anything. You know, honestly, when I found out about what Jolene had posted, I was in hiding. <laughs> <laughs> legit oh, man, I called you out homie. yes no, no warning no nothing but you know what though <laughs> I, I thank you Jolene for being able to do that I learned a lot in this process and at the same token it's like I look forward to each and every day my biggest challenge is how is it that I can consistently make this better more digestible entertaining so that way it sticks and on top of that compete against the other garbage that is out there that doesn't produce revenue generating conversations. That's my benchmark. That is literally the benchmark every day. So people getting better every day and their portfolios and their, their wealth getting better every day. That is our benchmark. If that's not happening, then we have failed. Hmm. Mine would be based on, I guess I need to start keeping track based on the number of folks that, um, <laughs> Are like W two who? I mean, yeah. you could work if you want. There's no, you know, if you want to. I don't want to, you know. Um, so that's that's how I how I look at it. Um, you can have a 1099. That's cool, you know, whatever. Um, or some, you know, business contracts where you're in control, where you have the autonomy to say yay or nay. That's more so the life that I would like to see not only for myself and those who come after me and those who are, you know, around me, but for all of the come up cousins too, because there's something to be said about being able to wake up and contribute your gifts and your talents the way you see fit. Facts. However that looks, you know? Um, so I can't believe that it's, this is, you know, year two, so to speak. It's, it's kind of weird because, you know, we didn't, um, it's not like we, when we set out, it wasn't like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going <laughs> to do this. It was just like, we did it. And as we were in it, really the, the vision, you know, got clearer and clearer and clearer as we were like doing the work and taking the temperature of, you know, y'all to see like what is needed, what will advance 
you know, not only just the culture, but what's also going to close this racial wealth gap. That is a big audacious goal. Yes. Um, and it is being met every time someone is in the mindset to sit down and learn and to research and to, you know, make out their trading plan and all that, like that is a part of closing the gap. Then it gets smaller and smaller every single day. Like even when, even when, you know, some of the cousins are, are, are learning lessons, like very difficult lessons that still assist in closing the gap. Yes, it does. And I'm just so honored, really, I'm honored um, to be a part in some way, shape or form of that uh, racial wealth gap closing. Because I know that when Julian Jr. is out here, you know, um, strutting around in all his or her glory, um, this notion of, oh my gosh, I get to create however I see fit. I can create something and because I find value in myself and I know my value, the things that I create also have value, value that people are willing to exchange you know, energetic dollars for or whatever. Yep. So that's what really keeps keeps me going. And it's just wild that this is a year and we are on two minutes over time and we do have some announcements. Mark, there's something you wanted to announce? Well, I think it's part of the announcements. So did you want me to like give that announcement? I think I have my own announcement. So, oh, well then yeah, you go, go first, you the, go first. No, no, you can go, you oh. can go. Cause it might be that, it might be that. You well, know? I'm just letting y'all know that come December 1st. Yes, that's my announcement too. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I think it's pretty much unanimous here that the come up series is definitely going to be like, y'all, I need a vacation, like flat out. And I'm probably sure that Jolynn needs definitely a vacation. So like, you know, we'll still be doing Tuesday episodes, um, but Thursday episodes will be on hold until we get back from vacation, which will start at the end of, I think the final week of the year. Did we decide that? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Or it'll just have to, it'll just have to start in January. Gems will still be dropped uh, on Tuesdays, but yet at the same token, it's like, I'll be pretty much on vacation alongside Jolynn. She'll be going on vacation as well. So, you know, Honestly, so that was one, no burnout. (laughs) But honestly, Mark, we are being very generous. We are. Even though we're going to be on vacation, still showing up on Tuesday. So Thursday, we just had to, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that that, that had to. We're committed to being here on Tuesday, y'all. So I think the biggest thing is like, you know, and also it's like shout out to our spouses also. You know, because significant sacrifices are made in order for this to like literally exist. So, you know, Erica and Brother Omar, wherever you are, sir, you know, honestly, we salute both of you and thank you because honestly, without you two making the sacrifices and allowing us to just be creatives and to like literally put this, you know, this task on our shoulders and carry it up the mountain. You know, honestly, we know that you share that with us in your own way. So we truly, truly are appreciative and we're thankful for that. Yeah. So in December, your girl is going to be on vacation living life. (laughs) 
But on Tuesdays, you know, I'll show up. Yeah. I'll show I'll, up down to the Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be out here. Uh... Mm. Yeah, also another announcement. Um, so while we're on vacation, y'all, on the Thursdays are going to be on pause. We still, because we are just so, so nice. Okay, we are really nice. No, not really. <laughs> I don't cons consider myself nice. I just am what I am. But um if i rock with you i rock with you okay so we will have uh <laughs> that's true though Mark. we will have um some videos dropping we will um, so oh i guess i should make that announcement yes go ahead so uh given in our absence that we will not be here on december 2nd literally an episode <laughs> will be dropping thanks to uh Steve, who has been super duper gracious and diligent and working on XYZ, he's actually uploading, loading it in the queue right now. Um, so yeah, I'm going to do the final look over of that episode. So it should be pretty interesting. So we'll look to drop some episodes while we are definitely on vacay for each and every single one of you. I don't know about Wealth Rituals yet because, you know, that's going to be like, I don't know if that's going to have its own, like, kind of like a Netflix rollout where you have the whole season or I don't know. Well, you know but how we do. I just no, know. So, no, we're not releasing the whole season. No. <laughs> no, it's not going to be Netflix. It's going to be like Hulu, but, you know, if you got premium, no commercials. If you don't have premium, I'm sure there's commercials. I don't know how that side, I don't pay attention to that side of things. But there will be a new episode, season one, or excuse me, season two, episode one, the series premiere will drop in December. I have not set the actual release date. There's some things that I just, you know, just got to make sure yeah, that they're like, you know, crispy and there's like a nice little bow on top, but um, it will drop in December. So yeah. the first episode, December, there will be um, the wrap, AKA Wealth Rituals After Party, the wrap. I know I just be thinking of these things, you know. So anyway, um, the wrap will happen live on Instagram after that premiere. So we can, you know, kiki and, you know, have a, have a, um, a confetti moment, you know, for season two, because, you know, it took a lot, really to take a lot. Um, and we're filming um, more episodes for Wealth Rituals season two tomorrow. So. Yep. And, I'll, and while that's dropping, I'll be sitting out there, you know, with my toes out, eating some vanilla ice cream, something somewhere. Yeah, so. my toes will be out somewhere. somewhere. Uh, also, here's another announcement. Shout out to everybody that stayed in the room because essentially we got another announcement. Yeah, go ahead. So we got a wonderful guest to take us out for the season finale for pretty much, you know, uh, you know, November 30th. Shout mm -hmm. outs to Brother Dan Ives coming back to the stage. So yes. cousin Dan is coming back. And of course, you know, I hear he's not going to be the only person coming from Wall Street because, you know, we got to run that replay back. And honestly, I don't know if you saw that interview that we had last time with Dan Ives, but we got to bring back cousin Q. So cousin Q will be coming also to the stage to rock with us as yes. well. So honestly, it should be pretty jam packed. And then when we get back in January, you know, you never know. There may be some other wonderful analysts that will be coming to join us as well and sit down and, you know, discuss. So stay tuned, y'all. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Yeah. So I feel like December, you know, despite us being gone, I mean, we'll still be here on Tuesdays. There will be stuff dropping throughout the month of December. Um, so 
this will be the time to really like keep the the ritual of watching on the on the Thursday. So what you can do is pawn the replay on something else. Um, you can you know take notes. You can have a friend join you. Um, something. Stay sharp because when we come back, we are gonna you know there's not gonna be like okay orientation. No, we hitting the ground running. So y'all gotta be ready. Shoes laced. Okay, don't play. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. You got to have your shoes laced, but it should be fun. So just want to say thank you to all of y'all. You know, yeah. November's not over yet, but I just definitely wanted to be thankful because as we go into, you know, Thanksgiving, I think that we will not be having the come up series on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. We do Plantsgiving over this way and we will, you know, we will, no, we won't yeah. be here um, that day. So this is our <laughs> last show for this week. Yes. And then we and then, and then we ended off with a bang with Dana, mm -hmm. so it should be pretty cool, y'all. Thank you so much for rocking with us. I know that you know Tivo's like, yo, it's time to it's time for y'all to roll on right. out of here. Uh, so thank you to each and every single one of y'all. We are thankful for each and every single one of you just taking your time out of your evening, your schedule to sit down and just listen to us. And you know, it really means a lot that we've we've done it now for two years, and we look forward to many many more years. And of course, you know, maybe even the passing of baton after our time is done. Um, but yeah. shout out to each and every single one of you. Until next time, I am Mark Monroe. And I'm Jolene GC and the place to be looking forward to going on vacation and before going on vacation, grabbing something to eat because I'm super hungry. Okay, there it is. And this has been your come up. <laughs> we will see y'all in the next one, which is next week. Peace, y'all. Yes.